Welcome to the First Baptist Church podcast from First Baptist Church in Navasota, Texas. For more information, visit fbcnavasota.org. To be able to uh, march right through all of the uh, conflicting comments that you you get. That was great stuff. Appreciate that. Guys, in case you didn't pick it up, and Jay mentioned this earlier in the children's sermon, you're in a Baptist church. All right, so what does that mean? Well, it doesn't mean you're the last person to get to dinner uh, at, at, at lunchtime. I, I want to share this with you quickly. Our church, look, 11 o'clock is the, quote, normal time that church happens on Sunday. Wouldn't you say that's kind of what was normal, at least when I was a kid, 11 o'clock people were in church. Why then is First Baptist Church of Navasota meeting at 1030 in order to go ahead and begin worship? Is it because, A, there or one, the preacher goes longer? Or is it, two, we want to beat everybody else to La Casita and everywhere else? Pick one. There is a test at the end. All of the above? Wow. Tough crowd this morning. We worship at 1030. All right? We meet together as a church family at 1030. And just as Jay shared with our little boys and girls, this building, this stuff here is not the church. The church is gathered together on a Sunday morning. Now, it, you know, look, we're not going to go and try to tease out all of that kind of stuff. You all know this. If you've been in church for a while, you'll realize that the building may symbolize what we believe we want to project to everybody, but that's not what we are. That's not who God is in His church. We're going to explore this a little bit this morning. We're going to explore this question. What does a real church look like? What does a real church look like? Is it a place that has a steeple on top? Thank you for that. I appreciate you saying that because actually it is not. I'm looking for feedback just like you. She, you primed her just right, Jay. No, it's not. This is A real church doesn't necessarily have to look like a building. I'm going to share this with you. The majority of people that are worshiping this morning and will worship on Sunday mornings do not go into a building that looks like this. Worldwide, people are meeting under trees. In the Philippines when I was there, they met on what we would consider a pole barn. Now, do you all know what a pole barn is? you all know what that is? Except the, the, the poles were made of wood, and it was thatched over with, with palm fronds. In the Philippines, it's, it's a, a tropical environment, and um, it is hot year-round. Their winter, the low for their winter, they get down to, down to 75 degrees. That's considered cold. People in the Philippines are wearing jackets at 75 degrees, kind of like folks from Florida, all right? They wear jackets at 75 degrees. I share that with you because church, what does a real church look like? Well, we're going to explore this, and we're going to explore what a real church does in that. So I want to ask you another question. 
you know who this man is? You know who this guy is? <laughs> I, I love it. When I say, do you know who this is? And one person always has, instead of saying their names, they always go, yep. <laughs> yep. Thank you for that. Yep, I know who that is. This is Thomas Alva Edison. Now, Thomas Edison was born to immigrant p- parents in 1847. And he grew up in Ohio. And while he was growing up, he, he, he had real trouble in school. I mean, abs- he only went to, to, to private school. And in those days, by the way, folks, there were not public schools. In order to go and get an education, you had to pay to get that education. And he went to a private tutor in school, along with all of the other folks that were of means to be able to pay for that. Again, there's another story about why we call Sunday school Sunday school. On Sunday, it was actually done as as what amounts to the first public school that would allow any child that could not pay to come to school and learn to read by reading the Bible. And also, also, by the way, the church was able to go in and share the gospel of Jesus Christ. He went to this tutor and to this school for a very short time, and the teacher ended up writing these words about him. He said he was a disinterested student who the teacher found to be mentally deficient. Yep. In fact, he was asked later by a biographer about that time of his life, and he said, I've got to tell you that my, my, the remembrance I had of it was that I was terribly bored. He was bored to tears. So he was homeschooled by his mother. And his mother began to go ahead and take the three R's and added an S to it. The S was science. She began to go ahead and plug him in with groups and with people that were doing science in that, in that time. And by the way, he grew up, he was a teenager during the Civil War, and during that time of the Civil War, there, there, as in all times of war, there are great technological leaps that happen. He was, um, he was, kicked, he was fired from a printing job that he had because he was upstairs trying to figure out how a lead-acid battery worked, and he had disassembled it on the floor of, of the printing room, which was above his, his employer's desk. He spilled part of that sulfuric acid. It went through the floorboards and landed on the man's wonderful mahogany desk and ended up burning a hole about the size of a silver dollar all the way through the man. He was fired the next day, all right? Edison was a genius. Let me share with you a couple of things he did. At his studio in Menlo Park, he invented the phonograph, the carbon telegraph transmitter, the first commercially successful light bulb, an early version of an x-ray called a fluoroscope, and even the first motion picture technology that in theory is still being used today. He was completely deaf in one ear. He could only hear the slightest sounds magnified in his other. As a matter of fact, in order to listen to music, he would take and put together pieces of wood that would be by the speaker of some of any by a speaker or a phonograph that he built 
and he would bite on it so that the vibrations of the sound would transfer all the way through his mouth, through his skull, and to his inner ear in the cochlea so that he would be able to hear. Unbelievably talented man. Unbelievably handicapped physically. But it didn't stop him. Many gifts. All inside this one man. So let me ask you all one more question this morning. Do we have any Edisons here this morning? Anybody that's got that kind of God-given ability? No one's raising their hands. Well, then let's proceed in the sermon a little bit. And let's look at what God says he has put in his church as far as gifts and abilities. And we read this in Romans chapter 12. And if you've got your Bible, I'll invite you to turn there. And I'll invite you all to stand together. We're going to read God's word as we do. And we stand to honor the reading of God's holy and perfect word. This is found in Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment, in accordance with the faith God has distributed each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. And if it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then do diligently. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. May God bless the reading of His Word. Please be seated. We've already shared that the real church, the real church, looks a lot like you. That's what the real church is supposed to be. It's supposed to look like us. Now, this is more than folks than folks that would believe that church is is just a, a group of people that come together on Sunday mornings. Now, this is for the people that would normally go ahead and say, when you say, hey, come with me to church, they would say, oh, if I go in there, the whole building's going to collapse on me. Have you ever heard people do that? Excuse, I don't want to go to church. Well, they don't want to go to church probably because they look at church as being a complete waste of time. Guys, the church is supposed to look like us. Jesus built his church, his body, with folks that have the same kind of issues that you and I have. We read in the scripture about them. You have Peter over here, a guy that at one moment is absolutely on fire with it. I'm going to stand with you, Jesus, no matter what happens. I will be with you when it all comes down. And as a matter of fact, He did, in fact, do that in the Garden of Gethsemane. You know what Peter did. All the other disciples are kind of going, is there a good place for me to run? And as they're backing away, Peter is the guy that pulls out a sword and he tries to kill one of the servants that are there. Cuts his ear off. You remember that story? Now, by the way, him swinging at his head, he's try- this isn't a please leave Jesus alone. To- he's trying to kill the guy, and he misses, cuts the guy's ear off. You know what happens? Jesus goes, you're going to need that ear. And he takes it and puts it back on the guy, and it miracul- 
miraculously heals. I share that with you because as, as God wants the real church to look like you and me, there is in fact no perfect church any more than there is a perfect you. There is no perfect church. Folks, if you're here this morning and you're not a member of a church, not a member of, of this, you're looking at different churches to go to, I want to share with you a couple of things. One of them is very dangerous. The greatest danger in looking for a church is trying to find a place that fits what you want. Understand this great truth. Church is not about us. It is not about us. It is about Jesus. The church is built for Jesus and His work. Now listen to me. When Jesus was crucified on the cross, He died for your sins and mine. Amen? Alright, if you're not Baptist, that means I agree. Okay, amen? Alright, that's for all the Presbyterians like me that, that are here today. Alright? He died for our sins because we are broken, fallen people. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot do enough. We can't help enough grannies across the street, pet enough dogs to, to undo what we have in our past. But as that is the case, and as you and I are broken folks, when we go look for a church, we look for something that will be nice fit for what we think church ought to be. Jesus died on a cross, was buried, and then raised from the dead. And He spent a time afterwards appearing to over 400 people that saw the risen Jesus and went, this isn't a joke, that was a dead guy. I saw Him on the cross, He was dead, dead, dead. They put Him in a tomb for three days. He was dead, 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 dead. And now He's alive. And as he began to go ahead and share with his disciples after his resurrection, he told them that the Holy Spirit was going to come down. This is a group of disciples that fled. They ran away. You're going to build a really great organization. You don't want people that run away. You want people that will be steadfast, firm. They're going to die rather than give up. Let me share with you. You and I are a part of God's church because we are broken people and He chooses to use us. He, was, he ascended into heaven and when He did, there was an angel that was standing next to these disciples and they're looking up there trying to see the last little glimpse of Jesus as He ascends. And it's, why are you guys looking up there? The same Jesus is going to come back. But in the meantime, get busy! In the meantime, you and I, broken and fallen... As Jesus' earthly body has been taken up, we become His body right now. The church becomes Christ's body. That means you're under a holy command to live your life in the same manner Jesus did. You're under that kind of... Now that's pressure, folks. But the good news is you don't have to do that in your own flesh. You can do that through the power of the Holy Spirit. There is no perfect church. So quit looking for that. He left you and me to become His body. That is the church. Because there's no perfect church, I can share with you this. 
There is a perfect church for imperfect people. This is that church. Perfect church for imperfect people like me. When you're put in with other imperfect people, one of the things that happens in churches, oftentimes we kind of go, well, I cannot believe they want this in a church. And guys, whenever you feel that way, put the brakes on for just a minute and say to yourself, is this about what I want or is this about what God wants in His church? You know what God wants in His church? I'll give you the quick and dirty threefold. Number one, He wants people that are absolutely sold out and on fire to worship with Him on Sunday morning. He wants people that will worship Him. Not come into church and go, My faith is based on nothing less than Jesus. I wonder what the squirrels are doing outside. He wants us to actually be engaged with Him. Absolutely. Second thing He wants. He doesn't want you to walk outside of here with your Bible and since we're right by the Methodist Church, right down for the Presbyterian Church, right over by the Episcopal Church, run over to them and somehow say to them, this is the Word of God and you need to... Sorry, Caleb. You need to believe this. That's not it. That's not it. He doesn't want us to play little games like that. What He wants us to do is live inside this building and outside of this building on fire for Him. That does not mean you take your Bible and assault people. Sorry about that, Caleb. Assault people. It means you go out and you share the love and the mercy and the care of Jesus Christ. You're His body. You do the things He did when you read about it in the Gospel. Last thing He wants you and I to do. says He wants us to be willing to look for the day of His coming. To prepare for the day. How are you going to prepare for the coming of Jesus Christ? First and foremost, it ought to be by the fact that you have a relationship with Him. I'm not talking about joining a church. I'm not talking about getting baptized. I'm talking about having a relationship with Him so that you simply go to God in prayer and you say, God, if this is all true, I want you to come into my life and make me different than I am right now. Make me like you so I can become a part of the body of Christ. And if that's your heart, then this is the perfect church for an imperfect person like you and me. God's church. Not so that we have to act a certain way, dress a certain way, say certain things, but instead to be willing to say, God, you and you alone are the one I worship. There's one more thing. As this is a perfect church for imperfect people, there is a place for you at this church. There's a place for you here. Now guys, this isn't an advertisement. When we have an invitation a moment from now, I'm going to be standing here and I'm waiting for all of you all to come rushing down the aisle and say, Oh, I want to join the church. Boy, boy, that sermon is the best sermon I heard today. It's the only one I heard today and I'm ready to join the church. That's not it. This is an advertisement for First Baptist Church. This isn't. It is instead, I believe, truth from God's Word about what the church looks like and what we ought to be doing. 
And this is a place for you at this church. If you go out and you look over here on the on the Lord's Supper table or back in the uh, vestibule or over in the Family Life Center, you're going to see something that looks like this. It is a survey. It's a survey. And the survey actually talks about some of the things that we shared a little bit about. A few weeks ago, I shared a message uh, addressing some of the ongoing physical needs of of our facilities. And oh boy, that got more feedback than a Sunday morning short sermon. Boy, howdy, you start talking about pews and getting rid of chandeliers and lights and sound, boy, got everybody's attention on that. I'm glad. Listen to me. This is God's church, amen? This is also your church. Your church. You're the body of Christ. You have been given the responsibility of this facility. The responsibility of it. Now folks, this survey, it is a renovation survey. You can pick one of these up. I'm going to invite you to do that. If you go online, you can fill out one there. But you place these in these survey boxes, one here and one one over in the Family Life Center, I believe. Is it over there, Loy? All right. You can put them in there. Fill it out. Listen to me. Be absolutely honest. I'm going to ask you to just fill out one. But be absolutely honest about what you think because it will be taken and it will be reviewed and the input will be a part of what we decide to do in sharing and updating this facility. I share that with you because this is, there is a place for you at this church to be able to share. But not just share an opinion. Did you notice what the Apostle Paul did in the Roman church? Understand this about the Roman church. Paul wrote to this church. This is a church that is under siege. You remember, you remember the story about Nero playing a fiddle while Rome burned. You remember that story? All right. Rome actually did burn. About a third of the city was consumed. What Nero did is very interesting. He knew that there was this little cult that was growing inside the Roman Empire and especially in Rome, and he actually blamed the fire on Christians, followers of this little... Look, everybody hated the Jews then just like they do now. They truly did. They hated them then because they were different than anybody else. And this one little sect of the Jewish of the Jewish religion that were followers of Jesus Christ, this man who had been killed and then raised from the dead, and unexplained, the Romans kind of shunted him off to the side and said, this is a dangerous group because they seem to be growing exponentially. The church, by the way, was sharing the gospel, ministering to people, worshiping God, doing the church things. And in Rome, Paul writes to them and says, look, even though people are hunting you down, even though... The emperor has blamed you for the burning of Rome. And it wasn't their fault, folks. It wasn't a terrorist act. 
even though all of this is happening, understand in your church you have people that can prophesy. What is prophesying? It's not giving you the numbers that are going to be in the lottery for the next week. It's not prophecy. Prophecy is telling God's truth. And if you have that ability, Paul says you ought to be exercising. He said if you have the gift of, of encouragement, encourage for one another and do it with mercy and thanksgiving and gentleness. I enjoyed Chad this past fall while we were we were watching Navasota Rattler football team last year. Last year that I get to be the chaplain of the team. And, and Chad's there. It's where I met him and why he is now our student pastor. By the way, pray for him this morning. He is, again, he has the next version of the flu, okay? Not the Chinese flu, the flu flu, the American flu flu, okay? And he is at home sick again. I met him there. If you've not noticed about Chad, God's given him an incredible vocal range. Big guy, big voice. One of the things he used to do, and I'm going to take this off, is when our team was on defense, he would sit there and go, D up! And he'd repeat it. Now, when when he would do that, Navasota Rattler fans and the team would all respond. Okay, let's pretend it's Friday night in October. Ready? D up! You respond with the uh, line. We sounded like the rice the rice fans, okay? We can do better than that. Here we go. D up! There you go. And you repeat this continually. Now look, understanding that having a great voice, having the ability to do that, does not mean you become a leader as such. But when Paul wrote and said, I want you, if you have leadership ability, lead, lead. By the way, lead does not mean you simply say, go, charge, get them. It means that you are standing in the front, turning around to everybody else and saying, follow me. I will do it exactly like I want you to do it. It was really interesting in watching Chad on the sidelines as he built relationships with people. So he won the right to be heard when he would share Jesus with them. Church, that is what we need to be. And by the way, in the Roman church, as they are being consumed bit by bit from all sides, they began to thrive. There's evidence that someone even inside of Caesar's court all the way to Domitian, who was a later emperor around 79 A.D., that in that man's court there were believers followers of Jesus Christ who literally were right next to the man who proclaimed himself to be God over everything in the world. I share that with you because our church has to be like that. There's a place for you in a church like that. By sharing together in a thing like this survey, and it will be available the entire month of March, You have a voice here and with God. 
You have a voice here in our church, but you also have a voice with God. Now look, last week I shared with you a little bit about what Baptists... We have two real strong hills we die on. One of them is called the priesthood of the believer. And guys, listen to me. That means that you can go to God without having to go through Clyde. Do you believe that? Absolutely. It is founded in the Scripture. You do not have to have, you don't have to come to church to worship God. Now listen to me, that doesn't give me an excuse to not come to church. We come to church partly to encourage others. We come to church because we worship here. We come to church because we can invite friends who wouldn't come to church and invite them to come and hear the, not hear Clyde, hear the gospel. Clyde's going to mumble up here for for minutes and minutes and tens of minutes and maybe an hour. But guys, listen. God can speak to the quietness of your heart right now through His Holy Spirit. And you can hear the Almighty King. Not me. Him. You hear His voice. And like the priest of the believer, it is about God first. The other tenet is this. Baptists do not believe that we should be controlled by some higher ecclesiastical authority, a bishop or a synod or, or anything like that. We believe that each church stands alone. Okay? Now this is a Southern Baptist church, which means we're organized with other Southern Baptist churches. But we don't have, and listen to me, this is a hill worth dying on, folks. This is a hill worth dying for. We do not have to listen to the Southern Baptist Convention to tell us how we ought to do Sunday mornings. That ought to be something you're willing to die for. Literally. If Jesus Christ died on a cross for your sins and mine, I did not see the Southern Baptist Convention or its president or anyone else climbing up on that cross to sacrifice Himself for me. Instead, what I saw was my Savior, who I worship this morning, my Lord, who I asked to go ahead and guide me even now. I see Him up there dying for you and me. I worship Him and Him alone. What I do is partner with other churches of like mind. Listen to me. That doesn't mean we stand alone and don't partner with other denominations. You teased about that this morning. John the Episcopalian. I don't know, but there probably is a John over here at the Episcopal Church. If they believe and confess Jesus Christ as Lord and Him raised, I will walk and serve alongside of them. Do not ever let denomination get in the way of God's Holy Spirit. Ever. His church, not mine. It is about God and God alone first. Second thing, and I want to share this with you as we close. You join, you join God's church as well as First Baptist. When you see people that come forward in a moment as we sing, you will see people come forward. When you see that, they're not just joining this church. They're joining God's church. Now, that doesn't mean that there's an egotistical side of me that wants to say, well, this is God's church here. This is the only church that really is God's church in this entire town. There was a time Baptists believed that. It's 
totally unbiblical. God has had His church all through America before Baptists got their tardy nose into Texas. It is His church, not ours only. If you choose to join this church, you join God's church first. What does that mean? It means that you confess Jesus Christ in Him alone as the only Savior, as the one who died for your sin, as the one who was resurrected, as the one who will come again. You believe and you trust in that for your eternal soul and spirit, and you will trust in that and that only. Please hear this. Do not come and join this church. Join God's church first. And then plug and plant yourself in a place like this. A perfect place for imperfect people like you and me. Lastly this. Just as this is God's church and First Baptist Church, do what the Apostle Paul said in Romans 12. Use your gifts that God has given you. And as you do this, use them for His glory only. I was listening this morning as the praise band was up here leading in worship. Sang a couple of, of choruses that, that were new to me. And I thoroughly enjoyed them. I, I, Ross crafts a worship time in our, in our song service that I thoroughly enjoy. I was listening, and Mark, you were singing. I know there's a musical term for it. I'm not going to try that. But he was singing a, a high harmony, and I watched Willine, and Willine was sitting there. She was up there singing, and she's always got a smile on her face when she's singing. She's up there singing away. And he hit this high harmony, and I watched Willine, and she did this, and then she looked over at him, and it was like, I had no idea that noise could come out of that man. And then all of a sudden it was, that's a great noise. And she goes back to grinning and giving thanks and singing. Mark, I have no idea, but I want lessons, buddy. I, 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 great. He can use his gifts and she can use her gifts, but they're not so people will come up. And I don't tell this to Mark, just say, oh, Mark, man, what a good job you did. Hercules, Hercules, Hercules. That's not it. It is instead to go ahead and say to you, God's given you that gift. Use it for His glory only. For His only. Make it about Him. If you're looking for a church family this morning, this is a place that you can find that is a perfect church if God says it's the perfect place for you. Ask Him first. And if his answer is yes, then I'm going to ask you to go ahead and make your way here to join God's church and this one. Oh, by the way, not to sit in a pew and sit on the premises, but standing on the promises that God has said he will put into your life. Let's pray.
Father, I pray this morning that no one will be moved by my words, but instead will be moved by your Holy Spirit. I believe that's so, because your Bible tells me that there's foolishness in preaching. So what I have just accomplished is nothing but foolishness. But what you can accomplish will demonstrate your power in taking foolishness and bringing souls into the kingdom. In the next few minutes, Father, there is going to be a holy war going on in this sanctuary. The enemy will be saying, let it go, it's just another Sunday. Your Holy Spirit will quietly be calling us to take the next step in our journey with Jesus. Father, I pray we will listen to the right voice, your voice, to bring you glory. Not so that we can go ahead and say, I can bring all of my gifts to this church. But instead, I can bring the gifts, the many gifts that, I, that you have given each one of us into your body. Father, I don't need, and you don't need, a Thomas Edison here. You just need simply folks that are willing to say, God, I'm yours. This is your church, Lord. You bless it. Bless this time as you call men and women and boys and girls to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name and all of God's people said, Amen. Let me invite you to stand together. Our praise band is going to be singing a brief song. If God is speaking to you about a decision that needs to be made, confession of Christ as your Lord, plugging yourself into a church family, this is that time. I'll be here at this altar. You come as God leads.